Guys, this quarter has been awesome, right? It's been so fun to go through Genesis. I love Genesis. Have you guys loved going through Genesis? Right? Now tonight, we get to finish out with one more story from Genesis. But before we dive in, can we get the Bibles passed out? Uh, If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. And if you don't have one at home, keep it. Or if you have a friend that you think needs a Bible, take it for your friend. We think that everyone should have a Bible. So I know a lot of you know who I am. But for those of you who don't, my name is Mike. And guys, I'm so excited. In 12 weeks, I get to marry my high school sweetheart. I'm so excited. We're both so excited for this. Now, can I tell you a little bit about who I was in college? So, for those of you who don't know, I graduated three years ago from Central. I think we have a picture that shows... Ah, uh, yes. So, so here I am, obviously, graduating. Uh, and here I am, I think, three days at Central, and I think I impulse bought a guitar that day. <laughs> so I got a degree in law and justice, and uh, full honesty, I was a terrible student. I was dumb, I was immature, I was awful. I used to skip class just because I could. Like, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like, nah, not today. <laughs> in my central career of only two years, I skipped at least 50 to 60 classes which is, like, which is like 10 to 15% of my entire college education. So we're going to throw that into monetary terms now. And if each class costs about $33, which it cost when I went to school, I threw away $1,980 of school. What grades did I get? Good question. Enough to pass. (laughs) I have a degree. My first year at Central, I never went to Chi Alpha. I looked for every excuse to get out of going to core, and I never got involved. I'd stay up to like 2 a.m. every night, and then wake up at 7 for classes sometimes. I'd like shotgun a Red Bull or 5 and just like go about my day. (laughs) Like, not good. (laughs) It's not healthy. I never took my college career seriously until my last two quarters. And to be honest, I kind of regret not getting the most out of college. I remember, <laughs> I remember one specific time where I watched an entire show in one night. It was Broad Church. It's an amazing show. It's super good. Highly recommend. However, I started at 9 p.m. the night before a final. And I didn't go to bed. <laughs> I, 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 like, woke up that morning. I drank a Red Bull. I went off to my final. And I'm pretty sure I failed it. <laughs> I don't recommend that. <laughs> I don't recommend that for two reasons. Number one, it's unhealthy. Number two, 
One day you might find yourself giving a message and using your college education as an example with your parents in the room. <laughs> My parents are here to see me tonight and I'm so excited. And now we're going to pray for me. <laughs> God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we could just come, come together as a community and just learn about you, God. God, I pray that you speak to all of us here tonight as we learn something from Genesis. Amen. All right. So we've learned a lot this quarter, right? We've learned a lot about what it means to be the image of God. Can anyone call out the verses for that? Boom! That was awesome. So yeah, Genesis 1, 26 through 27, tells us that we are created in God's image. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. That's like awesome. How has the, have those verses changed your thinking this quarter? We've learned a lot about how there are two sides to the world we live in. We learned that you can either image the snake, the devil, or we can image God. Remember, imaging the snake is living selfi selfishly and for ourselves, and imaging God is living selflessly and for God's glory. We learned about taking responsibility in our faith and really giving our all to God. Brandon taught us that if we are responsible with little things, God calls us into bigger opportunities. And last week, Meredith taught us about Joseph and Potiphar's wife, about fleeing from temptation. And tonight, we're going to learn from three good men. Okay, well, well, more like one passive cowardly man, one redeemed man, and one morally ambiguous teenager. We're reading about what not to do. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to read about Joseph and his brothers. And this is kind of like the prequel to Meredith's message, but it's also kind of like the sequel to Meredith's message. Basically, it's like the Godfather Part 2 of messages. So let's jump right into Genesis chapter 37. Chat, starting in verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah and the sons, sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to the dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down before it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun 
and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When his f- he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their, fo- their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing their flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he said. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring the word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. The brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, 
the captain of the guard. What a story. I think the easiest takeaway from this is don't sell your siblings into slavery. But we can also learn from three characters in this story. We're going to look at Reuben, Judah, and Joseph. Now, who are these three characters? Well, we know they're sons of Jacob. Reuben is the firstborn. Judah is the fourth. And Joseph is the baby of the bunch. How many of you guys are firstborns? How many middle children? There you go. How many babies of the family? Yeah. How many only children that always get forgotten? <laughs> One only child? There we go. There we go. Oh, there's two. There's two. Uh. <laughs> now, are these brothers imaging God? They're not doing it very well. Reuben is, is passive, trying to protect his brother, but ultimately failing. Judah brings the idea of selling Joseph into slavery, and Joseph boasts about his dreams and kind of a spoiled brat. So let's look at these characters one by one and see what they can teach us about being the image of God. First, let's look at Reuben, since he is the firstborn. And as the firstborn, Reuben is basically in charge. Like, he's the one who will carry on the line of Jacob. He's supposed to keep his father's best interest at mind, which includes protecting his brothers. Do we see where this is going? Reuben tries to protect Joseph. The argument can be made. But like a wise, wise Jedi master once said, do or do not, there is no try. Reuben could have used his authority as the firstborn to just stop his brothers altogether. But instead, Reuben lets the mindset of his brothers dictate his actions. Reuben is shown here as, as passive and kind of a coward for not standing up to his brothers. Reuben lets peer pressure control him. He lets the thoughts of others control what he does. What thoughts do others have that control us? What thoughts does culture fill our heads with? What about thoughts on sex and relationships? What to do with our money? How much money to have? How to make life fulfilling? If we are being true images of God, everything we do is for the glory of God. Going to class, going to work, brushing our teeth, snowboarding, eating, every thought in our head is for the glory of God. Every action we do is for the glory of God. So what thoughts and actions are preventing you from imaging God? So let's talk about another brother. Let's talk about Judah. Now, it should be pretty obvious why we should avoid being like Judah. 
he did sell his brother into slavery. That's a no. But what is the bigger picture that we can see with Judah? Well, Judah is influential in his brothers. Judah convinces his brothers to sell Joseph. Not being the firstborn in the family, that's pretty striking. That means that his brothers looked up to him. Judah had influence over his brothers. And how did Judah use that influence? He used it to sell his brother and make a little extra cash. He used it selfishly. How often do we use our influence for selfish reasons? How often do we manipulate situations in our favor? Guys, this is hard because it's fighting against our selfish nature. But we can't overcome this. We even have someone in the Bible who overcomes his selfishness. Can you guess who? Judah. That's right. Later in Genesis, Judah uses his influence in his brothers to help his younger brother, Benjamin. So let's turn to Genesis 43, verse 40. Uh, And for quick context, Joseph is chief advisor of Egypt during a time of a famine. Now, how did he get there? Well, if you remember from Meredith's message last week, he was thrown into jail after fleeing from Potiphar's wife. While in jail, God helped him and empowered him to interpret dreams of two other prisoners. One of those prisoners was the cup-bearer of Pharaoh, and he was released. And when Pharaoh started having some dream issues, he he told Pharaoh about Joseph. With God's help, Joseph interprets the dreams as a warning about a coming famine. And Pharaoh, so impressed by God's power and Joseph's wisdom, makes Joseph in charge. Like, it's Pharaoh and then Joseph over all of Egypt. Now, the famine hits, and it affects the whole land around Egypt. So Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to find food. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph. So then Joseph gives them food, but keeps one of the brothers and demands that they come back with the youngest brother, Benjamin. On the second visit, Joseph frames Benjamin, the youngest brother, and says he's going to throw him into jail. Then Judah steps up to save him. And that was like a really condensed version of like 15 chapters. (laughs) So like highly encourage you to go read those chapters. That was the the TLDR. (laughs) So this is what Judah says, verse 30. So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please, let me, your servant, remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. 
This is the same Judah who sold Joseph into slavery. However, now he's using his influence to protect his brother Benjamin. How do you use your influence? Where do you have influence? Well, guys, we all have influence. I have influence in my family, my friends, and Chi Alpha, which, which is my work. It's my job. And little things have the biggest impact. My senior year, four weeks before I graduated, a guy in my core told me that he thought I should consider being a pastor, and now I'm a pastor. <laughs> you have no idea the effect that your influence will have, no matter how small or passive it may seem. And guys, I wish I would have seen the influence that I had, because I had influence in my classes. I had a few friends in my law classes. I mean, I did group projects. I did study groups. I joked with other classmates about how annoying teachers could be. And guys, I wasted it. I like threw it all away. I estimated, along with other things of my college days, that I could have shared Jesus with at least 200 different people just sitting in class. Could you imagine friending for 200 people? Just sitting there every day next to like the same 12 people in my major. And it would have been easy. Do you believe in God? What are you doing tonight? A group of us guys are we're going to read the Bible a little bit and then we're going to play this game called Avalon. Or One Night Ultimate Werewolf. <laughs> but we all have influence. And we can use this influence and keep it to ourselves selfishly. Or we can use our influence as the image of God. Judah shows us that we can overcome our selfishness and become someone who images God with their influence. It's actually because of this change of heart that Judah symbolically becomes the firstborn son of Israel. Judah receives the firstborn right to lead the family of Israel, and Judah's line will eventually give birth to people like King David, and more importantly, King Jesus. How will you use your influence as the image of God? So our last brother we're going to look, look at tonight is Joseph. Now, I personally think it's kind of hard to find Joseph's faults in this chapter. I mean, he seems so innocent, right? He's only 17. But when you really dig, dig deep, Joseph's kind of a bragger and a little bit of a brat. I mean, first off, he gives his father a bad report about his brothers. That's like the ancient Hebrew way of saying, like, he tattletailed, or I think the kids are saying he, he shared the, spilt the tea. Is that what it's? <laughs> is that close enough? Okay. He's got, <laughs> I'm 23. <laughs> He's kind of a brat, right? He's, like, telling on his brothers, and his immature behavior and actions lead to strained relationships. Joseph brags about his dreams, 
These dreams are prophetic dreams from God. It's a way that God communicates with us. And what does Joseph do with them? He like waves them in his brother's face. Okay, I know it doesn't explicitly say, then Joseph saith, thou shalt kiss my shoe, Reuben. But that's kind of the sense we get. His brothers and father react negatively to the dreams. Joseph's spiritual immaturity strains the relationships that he has. So what does this mean for us? What do we take away from this? Well, I think we need a mature in thing, and that's not a bad thing. What does that look like is a good question. And if you look at my three-point plan, you see that I have no idea. <laughs> like, I have, I have no idea, guys. I'm still learning this. I just played Minecraft for, like, till two in the morning the other night. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Help. <laughs> I don't know. But looking, looking back on where I came from over the last five years, I think I have some ideas. My college story is like reading this Joseph story. It's what not to do. One thing we can do is we can be more intentional with our lives. We can put away the video games, turn off Minecraft, turn off Netflix. We can put down that book you want to read all day. And we can intentionally hang out with people and be the image of God to them. Here's something else we can do. We can get involved in our ministry. We can take responsibility and love our community. Offer to bring snacks to your core. Join the Setup and Teardown team. Take opportunities to help with events. Jump at the chance to greet or pass buckets. We can have a regular God time. We can come prepared to one-on-ones with questions. Why is there a talking donkey in numbers? <laughs> we can seek to grow in our faith. I really didn't try, like at all, to grow in my faith my first year of college, and it, it showed. Don't make the choice that I made. There's just so much that we can do to grow. And you know who did some growing? Joseph. When we talked earlier about Judah's growth, we saw that Joseph became the chief advisor in Egypt. Remember, that's like number two to Pharaoh. A Hebrew slave became number two of Egypt. Joseph trusted God through his time in Egypt. And he learned and he grew, grew. Joseph gave glory to God every step of the way. He helped others when he could. And eventually he was given the responsibility of helping an entire nation through a famine. Joseph ends up imaging God. And we can grow like Joseph grew. How can you even start growing in that way? One thing that really helped me was just reading my Bible. I asked questions. Again, I ask, why is there a talking donkey in numbers? I bet some of you didn't even know that was there. <laughs> I asked questions, and I sought to like understand what 
what was Paul was talking about in his letters. I got involved with Chi Alpha's community. I helped where I could. I loved my core guys. I hung out with them as much as I could. I asked every day for God to teach me something new. I stopped staying up super late all the time. I started going to class every day, though. I did do that. And I did my homework on time. I stopped procrastinating. And I grew so much my senior year that God asked me to step out in faith and join him in ministry. What is one way that you want to start maturing this week? Now, in conclusion, we can learn a lot from Reuben, Judah, and Joseph. Reuben teaches us to not be passive and just go with the flow of culture. We should not let culture influence us and pull us away from imaging God. Judah teaches us that we all have influence, and we decide whether to use that for ourselves or for God's glory. And finally, Joseph teaches us that it is important to grow in our maturity. I'd like to invite the worship team up now. And as we go into our time of reflection, this is what I want us to do. I want us to pray with one another. And I want us to worship God with all of our heart. I want you guys to take, the worship team is going to play through the instrumental of one song. And in that time, I want you guys to go through your notes, write down your thoughts, and pray with one another. Really seek what the Lord is trying to teach you. And then we're going to do communion tonight. And then when we're singing, guys, I want you to sing with, at the top of your lungs. Dance, clap, worship God. He 100% deserves it all. And so we're, we're also, like I said, we're going to take communion tonight. And after a couple songs, I'm going to come up and I'm going to give us more instructions for that. Um, but first I'm going to pray to transition us into our time of reflection. God, thank you so much for giving us a book that we could just learn so much about what not to do and how we could be images of you, Lord. God, I pray that you speak to each of us tonight as we seek you out, Lord. And God, I pray that you put specific things on our hearts to pray for, God, and to work through. God, I thank you so much that we have this time that we can just devote to you, God. And I pray that, that our worship is a glorious offering for you. In your name, amen.